in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all, upholding all by the word of his power. The reason why an atom is held together is by, is by the word of his power. The reason why the chair you are sitting on is not absolutely disintegrating and completely falling apart is because the very molecules and everything within it is held together by the word of his power. The stars are in place. God created everything and he upholds all things by the word of his power. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says the Word was God. It says the Word was God. Well, if the Word was God, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then if the Word was God, and God is the same, then the Word is God. Now, would you want to belittle God? Wouldn't that be absolute irreverence for you to belittle God, make light of him, despise him, treat him as a common, as any, as a common person or as just as a common thing. That's what the devil would like. Now you see the devil knows the power of the word of God. He was with God for eons. He was with God from before God created the heaven and earth. Are you with me? He is a created being. He's not eternal, but he was with God for a long time. He was the anointed cherub that covered, that covered God with praise and, 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 and covered the glory of God. He knew some things about God, and he knows the power of the word of God. He knows that that is God's secret, so to speak. He knows the power, the authority of God's word, and he wants to stop that word. He wants to belittle that word. He wants it to become a common thing. He wants the word and the truth of the word, the truth which is the word, to be fallen to the ground, which means what? It must just become like dirt, like dust, become common, become normal, and people don't, don't differentiate between the word of the doctor, the word of the king, the, the word of a doctor, the word of a friend, the word of a lawyer, the word of a family member, and the word of God. They just treat the word of God as just a common thing. God, that, that was the, the enemy's desire was to pollute that word because he knows its power. He knows its authority. So in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, as soon as he showed up on the scene, what did he say? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, had God said, what was he doing? He was trying to question, he was trying to bring doubt into her mind. He was trying to undermine the authority and the certainty of the word of God. And that is still, he hasn't changed. Amen? He is still a thief. He's still a murderer. He's still a liar. And he's still dealing with things that are common to men. He doesn't have any new tricks. And his objective is still the same. He wants to breed doubt into your mind. 
had God said, he don't want you to have any confident assurance that the word of God will prevail. Well, I'm here today to declare unto you that the word of God prevailed. Amen? Acts chapter 19 verse 20 speaks about the word prevailing. All right. The enemy knows that the word of God, when you and I mix it with faith, it produces. Hebrews 4 verse 2 says that, with, that, um, that the word didn't profit them. Why? Because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't mix it with a confidence that says God is going to do exactly what he said. They didn't have that confidence and that assurance. And they didn't mix the faith with the corresponding act. They didn't mix the word with faith and with the corresponding action. They didn't act like if the word of God is true. Amen? Here's what happened. The Bible says faith without works is what? Dead. And faith comes from where? The word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear the word of God and you quote, believe the word of God, but you do not accompany it with corresponding actions, then your faith is dead. Which means what? Your faith is lifeless. It's like a corpse. It has no power to produce. Amen? So when you do not act like the word of God is true, your faith don't have the right corresponding actions to start with. Are you with me? Faith is really that simple. It's believing that what God said is so and that he's going to do it. But you see, faith comes by the word, but then so does unbelief. Unbelief comes by hearing the words of the enemy. So that is why he introduced into, into Eve's thinking had God said. The Bible says in Matthew chapter, chapter 15, and, and so the devil has had, has had a a, a, a well-orchestrated plan over generations and literally generations because the things that he worked in your, in your family um, generations ago that he developed and is working with you right now today. But he's had an orchestrated plan to try to cause the truth to fall to the ground and be a common thing. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 6, it says that the word of God, that our traditions, when people, be, when we get, get into traditions, it can make the word of God of none effect. It can have a neutralizing power to cancel the power and authority of the word of God in our lives. So the devil knows that. And so the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 9, three verses later, that how he is literally orchestrated and teaching so that people, even from behind the pulpit, will teach the commandments of men. Amen? Will teach the commandments of men. So as to what? So as to bring traditions for people to go walk in that will make the word of God of none effect. The devil even has demonic spirits on assignment with assignment to bring seduction and deception to the body of Christ. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, that in the last days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Seducing spirits and what? Doctrines of devils. The devil has doctrines. And let me go further. Let me just go a little further for a moment. Flip with me to 
Isaiah chapter 14. I just want you to see just for a moment how orchestrated the enemy is in trying to accomplish his objective, which is to get you in a place where you do not have the confidence and the assurance that the word of God will prevail. Amen? Where he can bring the word down to a being common. Isaiah chapter 14. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I'm just going to pick on the verse. Verse 12. Talking about the, uh, about the enemy. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, listen to what the enemy had said. He says, I will ascend into heaven. And I will what? Exalt my throne above the stars of God. That's above the angels. And listen to this. And I will sit also. In addition to that, I'm also going to sit upon the mount of the congregation. That is what? That's the church. He says, I am going to sit in the church. I am going to come into the church and I am going to sit and I'm going to sit upon the throne and I am going to get into the minds of preachers. I'm going to get them to preach, um, to preach some, some, some half-truths. I'm going to get them to, to tell people that this has passed away, that that has passed away. I'm going to get them talking about that it might not be God's will and I am going to infiltrate their minds so that they're going to preach reasoning, the wisdom of men versus the wisdom of God and by so doing, I'll be able to seduce and I'm going to be able to rule and sit in the throne of the church and I'm going to run things. Do you see why religion is so deadly, dangerous, diabolic, and, uh, and is born right out of hell? Denominationalism was not, was not something that God has ordained. The devil is the author of that. It has been cooked up in the councils of hell. In the gates of hell. The Bible speaks in Jeremiah 23 and verse 27. How that if the ministers, the preachers, the prophets. They would speak things. About the word of God in such a way. That it would literally cause the people. To, 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 to not highly esteem the name of God. Well God magnifies his word even above his name. So what happens when somehow the word of God is proclaimed in such a way that, 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 that the name is, is diminished, that authority of the word is diminished? That's the enemy that is behind all of that. In Malachi chapter 1, let's flip over there briefly. Are you getting the picture? There is an enemy. Amen? And he comes to what? He wants to steal the truth of the word and authority of that word and the finality that it ought to have in your life in every situation. In Malachi chapter 1, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in verse 1 it says, this is the burden of the word of the Lord, which means this is the thing that, that this is the burden, this is the very thing that God wants lifted up off of his people. This is the condemnation that they fall into. This is the trap that my people have fallen into. These are the things that have come within my people. These are the yokes. These are the bondages that have come. And I want it to be lifted up off of them. 
It is the burden of the Lord. What is it? Let's hop, jump down to verse 6. The son honored as the son, a son honored his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? God says, the people are not fearing me. They're not honoring me like they should. And this is an issue. This is a burden. This is something that is upon them. This dishonor, this lack of reverence, and it needs to be lifted up off of them. That is why in the last days, we need the anointing of, of, of fire, the anointing of Elijah to come and to turn the hearts of the people. To lift up that yoke of complacency, that, that spirit of, 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 of dishonor, of disrespect, of irreverence, not having the fear of God. It is a burden that is to be lifted off of the people. Anyway, he goes on to say, Where is my fear, say the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, O priests that despise my name? What do you mean despise? Remember how Jesus despised the shame? What does that mean? Because he endured the cross, despising the shame, because of the joy that was set before him. Jesus, because of what was beyond the cross, because of the reality of the resurrection and fulfilling the desire and the dream of the Father, that was so huge to him that in relationship to what was going to be accomplished, the shame was but a small thing. In comparison, do you see that? In the same way, the Bible says the suffering that you and I may go through is not worthy to be compared with the glory. If you and I will have that kind of mindset, then any affliction, every test, every trial we go through, we will see but a light affliction that is only but for a moment. And it will work within us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, provided we have the mind, right mindset and we're not looking at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. And that was Jesus' mindset. So Jesus said, Jesus despising the shame, it was but a small thing in comparison with the glory, in comparison with the joy that was set before him. Well, this here, in a way, but here they are, they've despised his name, which meaning what? They've belittled it. The priests have belittled the name. They haven't lifted up. They haven't made it glorious. And you say, well, wherein have we despised your name? Where did we miss it, Lord? I don't see where I'm despising your name. And he says, you offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted it? That's talking about the word of God. They've despised the word. They made the word like the truth to fall to the ground, to become like dust, to become like dirt, to become common. Even the word of a doctor is more important and is more respected than the word of God. What the banker says means more to people. They want to get other people's opinion. That means more to them. Well, what does that say? You have belittled the word of God. You have despised the word of God. You have not magnified the word above all else. Well, God says that needs to change. Because unless there be a higher standard for the spirit of the Lord to work with, how then shall it be fulfilled? That when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. How is that going to be a reality if we do not lift up a standard? All right. So, 
This has been the plot. This has been the scheme of the enemy. Let me go even further. The Bible says we overcome by what? The blood of the Lamb. By the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives even unto death. This is the victory that overcomes. So what does the enemy do? The enemy comes and he watered down the blood. And we're going to teach about that sometime in the future. Where people have no revelation as to what the blood is. They may sing about it. In some cases there are even denominations that are removing the blood from hymn books. That is the devil that is behind that. Why? Because there is power and there is authority in the blood. The word, you're overcome by the blood and by the word of the testimony. Same thing. He's trying to make the word of none effect. And they love not their lives even unto death. He has believers operating with a self-motivation. Where the promises of God, where they try to get a hold of the promises of God so that I could take care of me in the world. They try to use the promises of God for selfish purposes. It is not loving a life even unto death. It is not preferring one another. It is not magnifying his word above all else. It is not favoring his righteous cause. It is not taking up your cross, denying yourself and following him. Am I saying that we are not to prosper? God has given us richly all things to enjoy. And he wished above all else that we would prosper. He wants us to be the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. But not with selfish motive and ambition. Even ambition in and of itself is born out of hell. And we respect people that are ambitious. Amen? But where is that coming from? I'm going to be like the Most High. I am going to, I am going to, I am going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Rather than letting the grace of God work mightily within us. Paul says, I do what I do and I've accomplished what I've accomplished, but it is the grace of God that worketh mightily within me. Amen? I'm trying for us to make a shift. There's an assignment here. Are you with me? Turn with me to Revelation, sorry, James chapter 3. Now, I'm not trying to finish this today, so don't worry. <laughs> James chapter 3. But I will go as far as I can. And by the grace of God, may the word of God be as sharp as needful. To cut out those things that are not, the, to, to uproot the trees that he has not planted. And may the word of God be sharp enough to penetrate to the dividing of soul and spirit so that you can discern what is of God and what is not. So that you can separate the precious from the vile. So that you would become authentic and be his mouthpiece. James chapter 3. I heard it in verse 15, but let me pick it up in verse 14. If you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, don't glory. And lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above. But is what? <laughs> Earthly, sensual, and devilish. This is a real funny statement. It descended, but not from above. Well, if it doesn't descend from above, where is it descending from? It's descending from beneath. Can you imagine descending from beneath? Is that what they call an oxymoron? 
<laughs> it's descending from beneath. This wisdom is from beneath. And it is what? Earthly, sensual, devilish. What does that mean? It is based on reasoning and logic, number one. Number two, it is, it is, it is, it is, it is um, sensual, which means what? It is the way of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the principle and the dynamic of sin, the iniquity that is at work. And it is what? Devilish. Born out of hell. Brings oppression and torment and accusation against people. All of those wisdoms, the ones that move you to pride, that, moves, that makes you be so consumed with what people think about you, about your own reputation, those wisdoms. I got to look out for number one. All that kind of wisdom. The Bible says that is from beneath. But there is another wisdom, which is verse 17. The wisdom that is from above, that is pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits. Now you see, part of what the enemy has also done, in order to bring people into bondage, in order to make the word of God common, fall normal, nothing to be highly esteemed, is... Is, is, is bringing people into the chains of the bondage, of the, the bondage of these wisdoms and the voices associated with them that are earthly, that are sensual, that are devilish, that are from beneath. It is what permeates our schools, our university. Every person, unless his mind is renewed, and unless he totally identifies the reality of Christ in him, is vulnerable to those wisdoms. Amen? But there is another wisdom. The wisdom which is from above. And that is all. This, this, this wisdom and voices connected with it is all part of the working of the enemy to do what? To be able to separate us from the power and the authority and the finality and the life and the power that is in the word of God. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, it's obvious what my assignment is. And it is to undo the works of the enemy. It is to uproot his lies. It is to expose it. And it is to make the word of God glorious in your mind and in your eyes and from your perception. It is to... Bring a restoration to restore truth that has fallen to the ground. It is to point out and to, to make clear what are the good pathways that you are to walk in. For after all, you are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. And there are good works that he has prepared for you to walk in. But there are also good pathways that you should walk in. It's not automatic. The fact that you are a new creation, the fact that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing, the fact that you are a partaker of God's divine nature, the fact that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ, all of those things, all things have passed away, God has done them. However, how you walk from here is going to take a cooperation between you and God. Without your cooperation, not going to happen. You're not going to walk in those good pathways. You will continue to be, in, be imprisoned and chained and limited 
by the bondages and the voices that have to do with that wisdom that is from beneath. Are you with me? But the word of God is the wisdom of God. The word of God will reveal unto you the good pathways. And that is why I, what is, that's what I'm addressing. I am here to say unto you that the word of God must dwell within you richly. That you must become a doer of the word, not a hearer only. And I'm desiring that you would get a revelation of what it is to disobey the word of God. The deception that you just ooh, step into. I'm telling you, there is such deception within the lives of believers because of ignorance. But guess what? The word is a lamp and the word is a light. And it can expose those things. The word of God is sharp and everything is naked and exposed before it. It can discern. It can penetrate. It can, it can decipher and cipher and... and, and um, and what is the word I'm looking for? And, and diagnose and distinguish and discern and make a difference. So that we don't, it don't have to be all blurred up. Amen? We don't have to be wandering. We need to come to the understanding that the word is not vain to us. It is our life. Deuteronomy 32, 47. And we have to come to that place where the, the reverence and the respect for the word of God is restored to believers. Because the truth of the matter is, Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, what, is, what will happen? You ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Can I put that another way? It is saying that if you obey the word, then the word will obey you. But if you do not obey the word, the word will not work for you. It will not obey you. You want the word to do what it says, don't you? You got to obey it. It got to abide in you. You got to be a doer of it. You got to yield to it. You got to think in line with it. You got to talk in line with it. You got to believe according to it. Amen? And if you don't, what will happen? You'll walk in deception. The Bible says that we are to warn people. Warn people. Why? So that everyone might be presented perfect, mature in Christ. As a minister, given an assignment to reveal unto believers their participation in the mystery of Christ in them, if you do not warn them, you are missing part of your assignment. The word of God is not only given for instructions in righteousness and for edification, but it is also given for reproof. For correction. Amen? To cause a realignment so that you would be properly aligned. So that the mountains might be made low, the valleys would be exalted, and to make plain and straight the pathway of the Lord so that the glory of the Lord might be revealed. And I'm going to tell you something else about the glory of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7 that there is a hidden wisdom of God. That was reserved for you from the foundation of the world. That was ordained for your glory. What does that mean? It means that there is a glory. There is a beauty. There is an excellence that is an inside of your born again spirit. And God wants it to come to the surface. God wants it to be made manifest. God wants you to walk in it. But it's not automatic. But there is a wisdom that is ordained for your glory. 
It has been ordained so that when you get a hold of that wisdom and you act accordingly, that wisdom will cause the glory, the excellence to be revealed. And that wisdom, the word of God, is the wisdom of God. So you see how important this word is? Amen? All right, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In fact, let me just take it right there. Since 1 Corinthians 2.7 says that how we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God had ordained from the foundation of the world for your glory, for my glory. What does that mean? Jesus says, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given them. That glory is God's glory. The excellency of the power is of God. We've got his treasures in these earthen vessels. But there's a wisdom ordained for our glory, to cause that glory to come out, to be risen upon us, to be seen, to cause the life of God, the glory of God is the excellency of God. It is the beauty. The same way when you see, when you, see a, 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 when you get a, a package of tomato seeds and you see that wonderful picture on the cover, that's what it's going to look like once that seed grows up. Are you with me? That's the glory. Well, in the same way, the glory is the excellency of God is beauty when that is revealed. And it says that glory is within us and the wisdom of God has been ordained to cause that glory to come out. It is wonderful that we are a new creation. It is wonderful that we are created in righteousness and true holiness. It is wonderful that Christ is our life. That's all great. God has done that by the faith of the operation of God. But now our part is to, is to cooperate with God by getting hold of the wisdom of God and pulling that thing out. Because until it comes out, then those that stay in darkness, that are in darkness, will stay in darkness. And they will not benefit. That glory needs to be risen upon you so that it might be seen. So that others can come to the light. This is called in another place, the sons of God being made manifest it being made manifest and obvious and clear that we are the sons of God that God himself lives on the inside of us it is talking about the life of God emanating out of us amen that life of God that emanates out of us is called divinity you could call it divinity amen and if the wisdom of God is ordained for our glory and if the wisdom of God is the word of God, then the word of God is ordained to cause that glory to be made manifest. And if the glory of God is the divinity of God, then it means that the word of God is your connection to divinity. Did you understand that? Hear me, I'm going to say it again. The word of God is your connection to divinity. Without it, the divinity and the divine nature of God is going to be locked up on the inside of you and it wouldn't do very much. But by the word of God, we can draw it out. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. Hallelujah. 2 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1. For the sake of time, we're just going to pick it a few verses here. Second Peter chapter 1, and um, uh, let's pick it up in verse 2, but I'm looking for verse 4. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Hallelujah. That's part of our calling. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. That divine nature. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Through the exact intimate knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power, there is a word divine, had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory. Called us to what? Called us to what? Remember, wisdom, the word of God, the word of God which is the wisdom has been ordained for our glory. Who has called us to glory and virtue, whereby, are, now watch this here. Because of this glory and this virtue, this excellence that he has called us to, that he has designed us for, because of that, wherefore are given unto us, what? Exceeding great and precious promises. Stop. Why are we given exceeding great and precious promises? Because we've been called to glory and excellence. So the promises is connected with that. It is for that purpose. So whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, these what? These promises, what would happen? We might be partakers of the what? Divine nature. Get a hold of this. The promises have been given because you are called to glory. The character of God. The essence of his being. You've been called to that. You've been called to excellence. For that reason, he's given you great and precious promises. And then it goes on to say, by these promises, you will be able, you might be able, which means without these problems, promises, not going to happen. You might be able to be a partaker of the divine nature. And that is talking about that divine nature being made manifest. Now, if you never manifest the divine nature once you're born again, you have that divine nature. You do have that glory. But in order to draw it out, say draw it out. Remember how the Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2 and I believe verse 12, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. Of living water. Amen? So in order to draw it out, precious promises, exceeding great precious promises have been given unto you that by these you might be partakers or you'll be able to draw out that divine nature. And when you can pull out that divine nature and cause it to be made manifested, what happens? You escape the corruption, the decay, the limitations that is in the world because of lust. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Amen? And the, and, and, and the world is going to pass away and the lust thereof, but they that live it and do it the will of God will abide forever, 1 John 2, uh, 16 and 17, I think. Are you with me? But do you see what the promises are for? The promises of God is that God says, you know what? Here's something. I have given you over there in that room, I've put all kinds of treasure. I got healing treasure in there. Hallelujah. I've got wisdom in there. The mind of Christ in there. I've got prosperity in there. I've got anointing and deliverance. I've got all kinds of treasures. Above and beyond what you could ever ask or think, they are in there. They are yours. But then he comes and he gives you a bunch of keys. And he says, here are the keys by which you could open it up and take out the treasures that you need. And once you get those treasures, once you open it up and get those treasures out, if there is poverty, it will disappear. If there is sickness, it will disappear. Amen? Once you can open it up, and you can get that stuff manifested, it will be like a river that will be able to flood the whole city. It will take care of you and all your relatives. And in fact, if you allow me to have my own way entirely in you, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. You, I will count you for the entire generation. The limitation of what God can do. But, to get this stuff out of there, you need the keys. And he says, here are these precious promises that by these you might be what? A partaker of the divine nature, but it's in here. So it's not that you don't got it, it's how you get it out. And that's what the promises are for. In other words then, in any situation, now what happens is we make a shift and we say the promises, we try to use the promises as a way to get God to move. We're going to claim this promise. And we're going to get God to move. Well, God has already moved. God they don't, don't need to move. And we can't get God to move anyway. Because what God does, he does according to his own purpose and his own counsel. Nobody's pushing God around and telling God what to do. Are you with me? God is not the one that moves. You and me, we are the one in him who lives. And who moves? Are you with me? God has already done it. It is finished. The life of Christ is in you. Amen? And everything that you need has either been purchased by the finished work of the cross and is resident in your spirit because you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. And in addition to that, you have got the life of Jesus Christ, not as he was, but as he is right now on the inside of you. You have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. What is there for God to do? He's dealt unto you the measure of faith, so that with that faith and with the promises, mix the promises with faith, we can open up the treasure chest and get whatever we need out and manifest it. But we have been misunderstood the promises of God. And, 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 and I don't want to beat this up too hard badly. Amen? Because, you know, the Bible says when I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, guess what? I put away childish things. There's a time in our, in our walk 
when, 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 when we, when we, we got to get, we, we got to put the, the cookies down here. But there's a time when it's up there and you're going to have to get on the ladder. There was a time when you were a baby, and when you were a baby, man, I mean, God is putting a bottle in your mouth. Are you with me? He's feeding you. You cry, bam, diapers get changed. In the middle of the night, mommy wakes up. But then there comes a point in time <laughs> when you grow up, and it's not that way anymore. What am I saying? Yes, there is a place of, of, of court using the promises of God, getting your needs met. But there's a higher place. God wants you to get a hold of the promise of God so as to draw out his divine nature. And when that nature is made manifest, that nature is sufficiency. Amen? And then you have more than enough for you and everybody else. But you see what happened is, the Bible says in James, we ask amiss. We have not because we ask not. And then we ask, and we ask what? Amiss. Meaning what? Motives are messed up. And so we don't receive. And the reason that we ask amiss, James 4 verse 3, is because we want to consume it on our own lust. Well, Jesus, through the cross, we are supposed to be dead to sin, dead to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and dead to the world. We are not supposed to operate in that wisdom anymore. Amen? Those, the wisdom of the world, of the lust, have no more claim on us. And we need to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed and alive unto God. Are you with me? So it says we ask and we have not. Because we ask amiss to consume it upon our own lust. And then it goes on to see, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world? God says, when you're operating in that arena, you're operating like the world. Amen? But he's called us to a higher place. And the place that he has called us to, I'm telling you, he, will be able, he is able to do above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. It's a better place anyway. So the issue of purpose becomes important. The issue of purpose, even what is the purpose of the promise, it is important. Let me give you a few purpose scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, you know it. All things work together, what? For good, for them that love God and are what? Called according to his purpose. In other words, when you're in line with purpose, things work out. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11 says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to what? The purpose of him. Who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. God works all things after consulting with us. Is that what it says? He works all things after the counsel of his own will. And look at this verse of scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Glory to God. Who had saved us and called us with a holy calling, accord, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given unto us in Christ Jesus before the world began. I say unto you that when we can line up with the purposes of God, the hand of God will be released. To do what? Perform. Look at these other scriptures. Um, Isaiah Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46 and verse, well, let me just read verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning and the ancient times, 
and from the ancient times the things that are not yet that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executed my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, and I will also bring it to pass. God says, I have spoken it. I have said it. That's the word. And I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will also do it. When you get lined, when you lined up with the purposes, then you don't have to do it. You see, when you don't line up with the purposes, next thing you know, you'll slip into a place where you are trying to make it happen. Where you're depending on your own works and your own earnings. And you'll move away from grace and move into works without even realizing it. Amen? Lembo Rosikitika Bashandaya. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 24 says, The Lord of hosts had sworn, saying, Surely. I have, as I have thought it, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. You see, the word of God reveals the thoughts of God. Verse 27. For the Lord of hosts had purpose, who shall disannul it? His hand is stretched out, who shall turn it back? God says, I have purposed it. Who is going to stop me? Who is going to cancel it out? That's why when you get in agreement with God, you and God are a majority. When you get in line with purposes, when you, when you get a hold of that promise that draws out the divine nature and you lined up with purpose, you become invincible. You literally become invincible. You are God's workmanship. And we've got a promise. Let me just... Mm -hmm. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me just flip here for some reason. Let us just go straight here. James. Turn me to James. James chapter 3. No. James chapter 1. I wasn't really going there right now, but, but, but uh, I hear it coming up in my spirit, okay? Praise the Lord. So you see, the word of God... It's hooked up to the purposes of God. I don't know if we have time to go here today, but God has promised that once you learn to separate the precious from the vile, you will be as his mouthpiece, Jeremiah 15, 19. He says, I'm going to put my word in your mouth. It's not going to depart from your mouth. He said, I'm going to make my word in your mouth like a fire and like a hammer. He says, I'm going to make you like a sharp threshing instrument. In other words, the power of God's word in your mouth is what causes you to become so powerful. But yet it is not you, but it's him. Because for one thing, what happens? The glory that was ordained, it begins to show up. Amen? I will come back and talk about authority, the word, and so on. But let me just go straight here to James. What happens if you do not accept the word? If you do not embrace the word and, and run with the word? What happens? James chapter 1 verse 22 says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. This verse says that if you hear the word of God 
and you do not do it, you deceive your own heart. What does that mean? If you hear the word of God and you do not do it, you deceive your own heart. What does that mean? Exactly what it says. If you hear the word of God and you do not do it, immediately, not later, immediately, when you do not do the word of God, you step right into a cloud of deception. I want you to see that. So I'm going to expand on it. You step into deception. The next verse says, because if you be a hearer of the word and you're not a doer, you're like a man that looks into the perfect law of liberty. But then what happens, he looks into the perfect law of liberty. If you be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he looks into, he's like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. He's like the man looking at himself in a mirror. And he beholds himself. But then what happened? He goes his way and straight away. What does straight away mean? What does straight away mean? Immediately he forgets what manner of man he was. He forgets what he saw. And because he forgets what he saw, he goes back to what he was in before. And what he was in before is a deception. When you hear the word of God says a, a specific thing, when the word of God reveals who you are, and you don't begin to line up with that and act like that, what are you going to do? If you don't get a hold of what God's word says, then you're going to go back and start acting the way you used to before. Amen? You're going to go back, and you're going to be right back where you were before. It is for that very reason that when you get your mind renewed, it is not enough to just get information. The Bible says you need to cast down the strongholds, which is the decept, which is the lies that you had believed, whether it be if it be thy will. You need to demolish it. Every high-minded thing, every imagination. Maybe you had a, maybe you had this impending doom type scenario. Whatever image you have, they're like giants in the land. We are grasshoppers. The land is gonna eat us up. You gotta change all of that image. With the truth to the word of God, with the weapons that you have that are powerful through God to tear them down. Why? Because if you don't and you just get information that you're more than a conqueror, but you don't take time to get rid of the grasshopper mentality, then what you're trying to do is you're trying to put paint. You're trying to put, let's, let's just for the illustration, you're trying to put a thin coat of white paint when the paint that was there was a dark brown. You know what's going to happen? That dark brown will begin to sip through. You need to strip that previous paint off of it, then paint it, and you're going to get a better finish. Can you see that? If you don't do that, it's just a matter of time, and then you go right back to where you were before. So when you hear the word of God, and you do not do the word of God, you step into deception because you go away, you forget what you heard, and you go doing what you used to do before, thinking the way you used to think before. If you used to think defeated, you still think defeated. Amen? If you were a person obsessed with anxiety and fear and worry, 
rather than casting all your cares in the Lord, you go away and you carry all your cares with you. And you're still anxious, you're still worried, and you have not dealt with it. You have not received the word of God that says the way you don't give place to the devil is by getting rid of those cares. If you don't, and the way you humble yourself is by not being, is by not taking on your own cares. Let God deal with it. Cast it on him. And if you don't do that, then what happens? You continue to give him place. And he continues like a roaring lion trying to get in and devour. Are you with me? Right? So you see what happened? I've put it this way. I've summarized it this way. When you, when you, and, and Isaiah 5 verse 13 says that when you don't, when you, when you don't be a doer of the word, you enter into captivity. Hosea 4 verse 6 says you perish for lack of knowledge. Ephesians 4 verse, 4 verse 18 says you get alienated, which means what? You get separated from the life, that divine life that is yours, that you've got a legal right to. You get alienated from the life of God because of ignorance, because of hardness of heart, because of insensitivity, because of a deceived heart. Can you see that? Let me give you a translation for a moment. You see, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, King James, it says, fight the good fight of faith that you might what? Lay a hold on eternal life. What does that mean? Fight the good fight of faith. It means stay with the word. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Stay with the word. Believing it. Thinking it. Talking it. Acting like the word of God is true. That you might lay a hold on that divine life. If you do not fight this fight of faith. Get a hold of that word. Think the word. Talk the word. Act the word. Get in line with the word. If you don't do that. You will not be able to. Lay a hold, possess that divine life, draw it out. Are you with me? The moment you do not be a doer of the word, you step into, into deception. You forget what manner of man you were, and the truth that was sown, what happened? You end up reverting back to the lie. The Bible says in another place, and this is really quite simple. If you don't believe the truth, whatever you end up believing will be a lie. Amen? 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 10 and 11 says, God give them over to strong delusion to believe a lie because they didn't believe the truth. When you do not be a doer of the word, you backslide from grace and you end up in a place where you got to do it yourself. You end up in a place where you're trusting in your own works and you're trusting in your own doing and all you're trusting in, in, in what you did and what and, and, and you get all confused. The moment you do not do the word, you know what happens? You end up doing what you don't want to do. Amen. The reason why you hear a particular word and you yes, amen, hallelujah, and you receive it with joy and with gladness is because you want that to become a reality in your life. But then when you don't do it, when you don't do the word, you backslide and you end up doing the very thing that you don't want to, didn't want to do to start with. Can you see that? So the Bible says we better be hearers of the word and not doers only, lest we deceive ourselves. 
There's several other places I want to go, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to go there. All right? Because as I said, we're not going to finish this today. But what should be our response? Understanding that this is what an enemy is after. He wants the word of God to not have that high and lifted up place where you're magnifying it above all else. Where you're making it more true than the word of, than any other word. The word of a lawyer, doctor, whatever. Lord willing, I would like to pick this up next week. And in which case, I would like to show you how to deal with symptoms. There is a verse of scripture in, in, in Jonah. I think it's chapter 2, verse 8 or 9. That Jonah, when he was in the belly of the whale, and I believe God for deliverance, while he was there among all the seaweeds with a smell that must have been coming from inside that, that fish's belly. Jonah said, let me, let me get it right. Where is Jonah? It's a little tiny book. Hallelujah. Okay. Jonah said, verse 7, When my soul fainted within me, I remember the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. And what happened? Listen to what he said. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. What does that mean? He says, they that observe. In other words, if I listen, when, I, when Jonah's in the belly of the river, and he says, oh boy, I prayed, I've asked God to deliver me out of this fish. Amen. It doesn't smell like I have any deliverance in here. I mean, I'm still feeling those weeds around my neck. It is still very dark in here. Based on the circumstances, if I believe these circumstances, Jonah saying, if I believe these circumstances and this environment that I'm in, the evidence that is coming to me from this sense realm, the wisdom of the world, if I believe these circumstances, then these circumstances are trying to tell me, Jonah, you might as well give up. You're not going to have mercy. You're not getting out of here. So what this verse of scripture is saying is that if, you believe those lying vanities and you let those vanities, the circumstances dictate to you what the truth is, you will forsake the mercy of God that is available to you. When you observe the symptoms that says it's not working and you believe that above the word of God, what do you do? You shop yourself off from the mercy of God that was supposed to bring your deliverance. So what did Jonah do? He says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. And he began to give God thanks as if he's already delivered while he was still in the belly of the whale. Are you with me? Is his word. The word of God is life. It is health. It is strength. It is hope. It is deliverance. It is the authority of God in your mouth. It is finality. The word is God. And it is forever settled in heaven. I'm going to close on this. I don't know where you have been, but if you're like most, like most of us, somewhere along the line, the enemy might have tripped you up. Somewhere along the line, you have bought into his deception. We all have at some point. Well, the Bible says in, in 2 Timothy, Timothy chapter 2, that in meekness, we are to instruct those who oppose themselves if God, for adventure, will give them repentance, help them to turn around, repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taking them captive by his will. You see, when you believe a lie, you, the devil takes you captive. He snares you, and he brings you into a place 
of bondage. But the Bible says that when you receive the truth of God and you accept it and you turn, then what happens? There is a gift of repentance that will come and literally drop right in your bosom that says, Lord, I missed it. The Bible says when you confess where you've missed it, when you confess your faults, when you confess when you do that, he that covers it will not prosper. He that confesses it and forsakes it, mercy comes. Mercy, mercy and, 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 and peace or truth have met. They've met together. You, you come with truth and God will supply the mercy. Amen? And God can deliver you out of every lie, every deception, every work, every trap, every scheme of the enemy. Because when we believe a lie, we do come into his grips. When we are not a doer of the word, we do step into a place of deception. Whether we think we can't get out of it, whether we, but we get into some form of a deception. And you cannot deal with the enemy on his level and on his ground. He is way too smart for you and I. That's why we don't fight him in the arena. We take him in the arena of faith, in the arena of the word, in the arena of the spirit. We take him into the arena where we can rule in the authority of the name of Jesus. Where we can rule with the wisdom that is from above. Amen? But you operate in that reason realm and intellectual realm and willpower realm and all of that stuff. Man, he'll beat your brains out. Right? He'll eat your lunch and he'll pop the bag too, as they say. You don't want that. What's my point? My point is, there is a grace of God that brings repentance. The goodness of God brings repentance. There's a grace of God that says, if you would just acknowledge that, Lord, I've missed it in some ways. And I'm asking you. I'm turning around. I want the truth. I'm hungry for truth. I don't want to be held in any kind of captivity with any kind of lie. I don't even know where the lies are, but Lord, you show me them. I want to be free. Because whom the sun set free is free indeed. And when I know the truth, it produces liberty, freedom in my life, and it removes the boundaries and limitations. That's what I want, Father. The Bible says that he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out when he comes with a type of sincere heart. Because a broken and a contrite heart, he will not despise. He will not belittle it. But rather, he, he receives it and he, he, he highly favors it. He says, unto this man will I look. This is the one with whom I'm going to labor it, dwell with. This is the one I'm going to hang out with. This is the one I'm going to reveal my covenant to. Him that is of a broken and of a contrite heart that would fear and reverence my name. Let's stand. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you right now for a moment to just bow your head, not to be religious, but to be reverent. Bow your head just to be reverent before the Lord God Almighty. It is your way of saying, Lord, I bow. You are my Lord. You are my master. You are above only. You are God. You know all things. You are my head. You are the final authority. You are the judge of all men. You are the one that sees the thoughts. You are the one that sees into the hidden places. You are the one that knows where we miss it. You are the one that knows how to bring deliverance, how to bring correction, how to bring truth. And so, Father, I bow before you. I bow before you. And I open up my whole heart to you. Your word tells, the word says, that when you open up your heart to the Lord, when a man loves God, when a man makes that kind of commitment to God, he opens up his entire being to God's counsel, to God's wisdom, to God's guidance, to the leadership of the Spirit of God. And that's what I'm asking you to do right now. Faith is not only, sometimes, you see, sometimes our act of commitment from our heart 
is the greatest statement of faith. Sometimes silence has a very loud voice when it is backed up with commitment, when it is backed up with purpose, when it is backed up with sincerity. So I'm asking you in the name of Jesus as, as this is going forward is the Spirit of the Lord that is dealing with you. It's not me. But I speak as an oracle of God and as the Spirit of God that is saying to you, open up your heart, open up your life, give me greater room, give me greater access. There are things I want to change. There are things I want to correct. There are things I want to align. I can set you free in every area. You would be so free, you wouldn't even... You wouldn't, have, you, you wouldn't even have any, sem you, would, you wouldn't even remember what bondage looked like. Even the thought of fear would not even exist. You're going to have to go to the dictionary to find out what fear means. You'll be so free. So lift up your hands before the Lord right now and say, Father in heaven, you know where I am. You know where I have been. You know where my thoughts are. I want to operate in you, in harmony with you. I want to magnify your word above all else. I'm asking you right now, teach me to fear the Lord. Release that spirit of fear inside of me, in the name of Jesus. I put away every rebellion, every disobedience. Sin is rebellion. Sin is disobedience. And Father, when I have not obeyed you and I have not obeyed your word, I open up the door to deception. I want that door closed right now by the blood of Jesus, my faith in that blood, and the power of repentance. Forgive me for where I have missed it. And in the name of Jesus, I endeavor to receive light and walk in the light. I receive your power. I receive your anointing right now into the depths of my being, breaking every yoke, every bondage, every lie, every deception. And I step into the arena of truth and the wisdom of your word. I love your word. I love your word. It is more important than my necessary food. Increase my appetite. Increase my desire that your word would dwell in me richly. Let your word be like a fire that would burn out, cut out, and separate everything that is unclean. That I would be that clean vessel that bears the Lord, that manifests your life. I want Christ to appear. I want Christ revealed in the name of Jesus. Christ unveiled. I therefore, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the word of God, I strip off the old man. I mortify the deeds of the body, that a life and light might shine through in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. I receive the blood right now, washing me, cleansing me, breaking every yoke, breaking every bondage, 
thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. Hallelujah. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I pray the release of your power and your anointing in the name of Jesus. Let it saturate our minds in Jesus' name. I take authority over every strangling hold of the enemy that has been over the minds of some that has called or caused oppression and torment and guilt and condemnation and feelings of insecurity and uncleanness. I bind you in the name of Jesus. I break your power off of God's people in the authority of the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Ghost and the authority of the blood of this new covenant in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for liberty in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.